I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back, everybody. It's another Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ian Mendes with you. As always in the Thursday slot, we got pinch hitter extraordinaire Julian McKenzie stepping into the batter's box to take over from uh, Sean McAdoo. Down goes Brown, giving uh, him the week off. Sean will be back uh, next Thursday. We got a lot to get to in the next hour or so. We're going to talk about uh, the Anaheim Ducks in a couple of ways. Um, Our pal Jesse Granger is going to drop by with Granger things. We're going to talk a little bit about how Anaheim's been off to a great start. We got to talk about Trevor Zegras. What a great goal the other night, but he gets a misconduct penalty. So we're going to talk about the kind of weirdness that is uh, misconduct penalties after a game ends. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins appear to be on the verge of being sold to an ownership group involving the Boston Red Sox. We're going to have a little bit of fun with that. Uh, The New York Islanders are finally home after a 13-game roadie, and uh, we'll kind of hit on that. And the Staples Center's got a new name. Welcome to the Crypto.com Arena. We're going to talk about arena name changes and and just arenas that we have a hard time calling them by their names and all of that stuff. But like I said, off the top, he's pinch hitting. I need to know, though, Julian McKenzie, do you have to go to Chris Johnston and get permission and be like, hey, CJ, um, I got an opportunity to slide into the athletic hockey show. (laughs) <laughs> Will you let me go? Because you do the podcast with, with CJ and, and part of the Steve Dangle uh, podcast network there. You guys have launched that a few weeks ago. Did you have to go to CJ and say, can I go, slide over and do this show with Ian? Okay, I'm going to let you in on a very, very interesting secret. CJ has no idea of doing this podcast right oh. now. So like... Sneak it around. Yeah, I'm kind of sneaking around on CJ. I, I hope he doesn't mind. I mean, he has insider trading on TSN. He does that like all the time and everyone gets to see it. Why can't I appear on other properties? You know what I'm saying? I work at this company. Like he shouldn't object to this. And and the other thing is the podcast that you do with him, it is there's a little bit of an athletic tie-in, right? Like, like it's it's we we see that on the athletic feed, don't we? Yeah, it, it's there. Yeah. yeah. You, if, 
you should actually uh, you know, uh, <laughs> listen to the podcast over there while you're there. And uh, if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic through the podcast, you should do that. You should do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, I've listened to a handful of uh, the episodes you guys have done. You know, the one that I really enjoyed, like, and it was right off the hop, like, you know, because Chris Johnson left Sportsnet for TSN. Yeah. That was a really compelling podcast you guys did. As he walked you through, I thought you asked all the right questions and you didn't pull any punches. You were like, uh, walk us through this, this, and this. And I thought he was about as forthcoming as you can be. You, you know that people always will, you know, you, you have to kind of balance it a little bit when you leave company. You don't want to burn bridges. And Chris Johnson is one of those people that he's not going to burn any bridges. Uh, he's just a class act. Um, but I thought he was really forthcoming. I thought that was a, like, I would suggest if you're a, um, if you're kind of like a media junkie on top of being a hockey fan, go back and listen to that podcast with uh, with Chris Johnson and, and Julian. As CJ walks everybody through his decision to jump over to TSN, it was it was phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it was it was. You know what's funny is that that episode, uh, like the night before, I was thinking, okay, we were probably going to touch up on touch up on it, and then some other NHL stuff. And then CJ like messaged me, just being like, you know what? We're just going to do the entire episode on me joining TSN. I was like, oh, okay, if you want to go there, we're going to go there. And yeah, I, I really appreciate him being as forthcoming and, and as revealing as he was. I could tell at different points with the questions I was asking. He might have looked like a little uncomfortable. I don't think he expected me to be as invasive, but like he really <laughs> wanted it out there. And uh, we're all pretty happy about that podcast. So that really means a lot coming from you, man. I just want to say straight up, like doing, I, I know I'm pinch hitting here, but like, as someone who like grew up and like watched you on TV for oh. years, like doing this podcast with you is like so cool. Not to make you feel old or nothing, but no, like I'm, you just I'm, did. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. but like, it's cool. It's, this is like a cool like highlight for you. Like I remember like watching you on t- on on uh, on Sportsnet like for years, and then you made your move to TSN and all that. Now you're at the Athletic. We're teammates now. It's it's this is a, this is this is an honor for me to 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 be on this show with you. I just want to say. Okay, but you did make me feel old, and I love it. I'm because sorry. Sometimes, sometimes people will be like, oh, man, I grew up watching you. And I'm like, but you're almost 30. And you have, <laughs> you know, you have a full-time job yourself. <laughs> you know? so That's me. Of, yeah, exactly. You're in your 20s. What are you doing? So uh, anyway, yeah, I appreciate that. This is going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah. the, and so when we knew that we were kind of being tossed together to do this pod uh, this week, the first thing you sent me was, we got to talk about Trevor Zegers. So <laughs> why, why, why don't you why don't you walk our listeners through? And by the way, again, Jesse Granger is going to drop by. I think the Anaheim Ducks might be the best story in the league. And it's going to be a fun time. We're recording this on Thursday. They got a date with the Carolina Hurricanes Thursday night. I think that's going to be maybe a real telling game for, for Anaheim. But why don't you walk our listeners through, Julian? Like the Zegers sequence of events on... Uh, Tuesday night that kind of kind of caught your attention. So Trevor Zegers, uh, talented young player in the National Hockey League on a very good Anaheim Ducks team, scores uh, a wonderful overtime winning goal uh, and uh, does a really cool celebration, which I think could be one of the cool things we see if more and more players decide to do this. He proceeds to skate towards the other side of the rink and toss his stick into the crowd. Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils did this after he scored an overtime winning goal. And some people have already made the connection that if you played for the U.S. <laughs> National Development Team in sometime in 2019, you are probably going to do this. So I'm sure there are people in Montreal just sitting back wondering when the heck Cole Caulfield could come back so we can score an OT goal and do the same thing. But um, 
I have to admit here, I, I didn't realize this was the case until our producer Danielle brought this up to me. Um, Trevor Zegra scores this overtime goal. It's an amazing celebration, amazing goal and all that. But he's assessed a, a, a misconduct penalty, like a game misconduct penalty. Okay. It's an overtime winning goal. Like, like, where does the misconduct come in? Like, the game is already over. You're already going to the locker room. You're already done with the game. Where does this misconduct come in? One. Two, a player is actually having fun. He's celebrating. Uh, I'm going to quote one of my buddies uh, who actually quotes. Well, yeah, no. One of my buddies, uh, Tristan Namul, who uh, we used to do a podcast together, he always likes to make this whole point about how, you know, whenever players celebrate championships and all that, and then you have some random sideline reporter coming up being like, hey, I want to get these questions in. Would you please let them celebrate? Like, 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 do that. Don't penalize them. Don't assess this random misconduct penalty that means nothing that doesn't even carry over just let him celebrate don't let him think about the fact you'll have some random penalty on his record it's the most mind-boggling thing that i've seen this week and the vancouver canucks played this week so yeah yeah, it's weird it's just absolutely weird that the nhl would do this and i'm glad that i have the platform to to rant about this oh 100 like it's first of all all i can think about now i want cole caulfield to score an overtime winner against Utica. That's what yes. I want. Okay. Yes. Tweet that. Do it. Utica. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. I'm all okay. for revenge. I'm all for yeah. memes. I'm all for all that. It's fun. Yeah. So Zegris gets, by the way, and so I double check. Yeah. It's, so it's a 10 minute misconduct penalty assessed to him at the end of the game. So this is no different than I, you know, I guess it's again, it's like getting. Uh, getting something slapped onto your permanent record, really. That's uh, that's about all this is on on Trevor Zegers. Like, there's there's really no there's no punishment to the the young man for this. It's so, like it's it's like the, it's like being at the last day of school and being assessed a detention, and it yeah. doesn't count into your next year when you start like tenth grade. Like, what's the point? I I don't know, but okay. So we should point out now, Jack Hughes. When this happened to him, when when and when Hughes did it. Uh, no penalty, like you said, no penalty assessed, nothing. So I can, let, let's just talk this out here for one moment. In, sure. And I hate to do this to, because I try to look at both sides of it. Okay. We're living in the COVID world. Yes. Do you think that that is the biggest, re- like the league is saying to players, don't be tossing sticks into the crowd because, uh, you know, it's, it's like, is that the reason why? Because, I watch, listen, I go to a lot of games. The one thing I watch is players are flipping pucks over the glass at warm-up to little kids. I, like, the new thing is everyone shows up with a big sign saying, first NHL game, give me a puck, even though it's probably their 50th NHL game, and they just bring the same sign uh, every time. But now I'm seeing that. I'm seeing the Seattle Kraken at the end of every game with the three stars. They got that thing where they're throwing, like, stuffed fish into the crowd. So... This can't be the reason. You can't say, I just want to know, like, what, like, what's the, it, like, is, like, Matt Sundin years ago got a one-game suspension for throwing his stick into the crowd, but he did it in a very aggressive, kind of helicopter, passionate way. Like, remember, he was all ticked off. He, yeah. like, ah, he threw it up. I feel like if you score a game-winning goal, like Hughes, or Trevor Zegers, and you're so excited, and you throw your stick into the crowd, I personally don't think that that should be over the line. Like, I understand, like, you don't want to throw, like, I get it. But can we use, can we inject a little common sense into this? Or is that, 
Is that too much to ask for? We're asking the National Hockey League to exhibit <laughs> common sense. Like, yeah. I think that's asking a little bit too much. And, and you make up a really good point. Like, I, I forget which NHL player I saw do this, but there was at least one guy who I think was exchanging, like, Tic Tacs with, like, a fan. Like, they, people do this all the time where they throw stuff into the crowd for uh, young fans or slightly older fans to, to get. So why are, is the NHL saying, okay, this is the hill that we're going to die on with stick tossing. If we're going to get to that point where they don't want anybody to throw anything into the crowd, they better crack down on some of the stuff that happens in warm up. And I hope they don't, but it doesn't make sense to me that they would assess a penalty to Trevor Zeke. Why not find him? Like, like at least like, a, if, I mean, I'm, I, that's, and that might even be an excessive penalty in itself. But if you really don't want the guys to do that sort of thing, at least hitting them in their pocketbook, like, like that matters a little bit more than a random 10-minute misconduct penalty that is assessed after the overtime period where a goal was scored and it doesn't carry over to the next game. I think that has to be emphasized here. This is not a case where Trevor Zegers scored in the second period and, well, he was hot-dogging it, so he has to sit out for 10 minutes. Then I can understand why people would be mad, and I'm sure Dallas Aikens would not approve, would not approve of his player doing that and putting himself in trouble. He scored an overtime winning goal. You get to go home after the goal is scored. A, a 10 minute misconduct penalty means nothing. Was it Nikolai Ehlers? You, you know, you said that there was a player that exchanged something for like candy or mints. I feel like it was Nick Ehlers. It might have been Winnipeg him. Jets. It might have been him. That like before a game, like uh, some fan had some candy and he was like, you know what? I'll give you my stick if you give me these, whatever they were, whether it was Tic Tacs or whatever the candy was. Um, I feel like it was Nick Ehlers that, that did that back in the day. Um, might have, it so, might have been him. But like, yeah, like if you're if you're they're doing stuff like that and you're gonna get mad over a stick toss, like I don't know, maybe it's maybe you're taking a maybe I'm taking a leap here, but like it's I don't know, the policing on stuff being thrown into the crowd and stuff that isn't this is just a little bit weird to me. Yeah. Now, okay, so it sounds like we both agree that hey, Trevor Zegris's celebration, we're okay with it. We're it's not over the top. But now I want to ask you, so where's the line for you? Like, wh what's the thing that somebody would do in a, in a celebration situation that you're like, you know what? You do deserve a misconduct penalty for taunting or, un, like, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct or something that you're like, you know what? Because, and here's what's funny. Like, if you Google, like, NHL crazy goal celebrations – It'll, it'll come back like, sorry, search not found. Like, there's nothing. Like, this thing is like, it's Ovechkin's hot stick from like 10 years ago. And even that was like, well, I don't know. That's uh, Ovechkin should have been fine for that, but not for anything other than, ah, oh, that was just so. Ovechkin just, shouldn't have been fine for that. Like, no, 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 no. Fine because it was so, it was, it was bad. Like, and I loved it, but I was like, ah, oh, I wish he did something different. Like, the hot stick, it, I don't know. It just seemed weird. Uh, yes, you, you know what it is? It's because we don't have the luxury of seeing guys in the NHL be nearly as creative and as awesome. I mean, in their own special way, they're awesome, but not in the same level as we would see in the NBA or the NFL, where they're able to take their celebrations to totally. a completely different level. So whenever I see people lose their minds over Ovechkin just doing the hot stick celebration, I'm like, really? This is particularly tame. My, my line, I guess... Like, as long as you're not, I guess, face-washing someone on the other team after the fact or, like, sliding over to the other team's bench and, like, punching somebody 
Like, I don't know. I, I As long as the other team isn't, like, directly, like, contacted after the fact, I think that's fine. I'm even cool. And it's funny you say that, like, you were looking for an NHL celebration. You couldn't find anything. I would even be cool if somebody did, like, the Nail Yakupov celebration after he scored that game-tying goal against the Kings where he, like, <laughs> scored and he, like, slid all the way to center. Right? That's one of my favorite things I've seen in this league. It's not quite Tiger Williams, but, like, I mean, again... Could you please let these guys celebrate? Like, it's fun. It's cool. It's great. I, I love the Theo Fleury one from back in the day yeah. with Theo. And, and it's game six of an overtime play. Do you have any other memories or recollections of Neil Yakupov's career other than that, Selly? Nope. 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 Absolutely not. <laughs> that was the first I, overall the- pick. That's the only thing. I, that's the most vivid thing I remember about Neil Yakupov. Yeah. And like. It, it, it's the best thing he's ever done when he was, I don't even know where he's at now, but that's like the best thing he's done. Um, and, and one other, okay. The other Selly I think of that, I think probably did cross the line at the time. And, and I think certainly now in 2021, it did, this has happened about 10 years ago. Okay. Artem Anisimov with the New York Rangers, he scores a goal. And do you remember this? He takes his stick and then he points it out as a right. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember okay. John Tortorella yeah. didn't like it. And I was like, oh, okay. you know what? Yeah, in 2021, that's that can't fly. Yeah, so that one. Yeah, that one. I feel so. That's the line for me. If you turn your stick into a toy gun, I'm out. Wait, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out. So, Artem Anisimov, I believe, if I recall correctly, like he gets down and he's like pointing it either at somebody or like just like on a low, like it's it's low. At least yeah, trying to be he a got down on one knee. Yeah, yeah, but. That immediately made me think of another great celebration that also invokes like a gun. But like, I don't know if we'd ever think of it in the same way. It's when Timu Solani in the 90s scores like his like, what, 76 goal of the year. Oh, if he, it, that, like, yeah, he broke Bossy's record. Yeah. Yeah. And he throws his glove in the air and acts like he's going like like duck hunting or whatever. And he's shooting like in the air. But like, I think of it now, like I wouldn't have a problem with that compared to Artem Anisimov getting down on one knee and looking like a sniper for whatever reason. I don't know why my yeah, brain is like yeah. that. It's weird. Yeah. And I think Anisimov turned around and like he pointed at the, at the, at the Tampa goalie, whoever it was, and, and like pointed at him. So that, that, that you're right. That there is a little bit of a, uh, a separation there. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, you know, Julian, I want one of the things I want to talk about, and this for me, this story kind of I think it came out of the blue for everybody, but all of a sudden, like earlier this week, you're like, hey, Boston Red Sox are gonna buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're like, what? Like, wait, what? Like uh, it was obviously it uh, you know, uh was was a little bit of a surprising story, but 
I think if you look at it from the Pittsburgh Penguins and the current ownership group, which includes Mario Lemieux, like this would be the right time to probably think about getting out because it's been a great 14, 15 year run. But you can see the finish line on Sid, Gino, and Latang, and like this group. Like, so if I'm the Penguins ownership group, I'm like, I, it would make sense that now is the time, right? It feels like maybe this is a good time to get out of owning the Pittsburgh Penguins as great as they've been, right? Wouldn't you make the argument that maybe after their last Stanley Cup might have been it? Because, I mean, at this point now, because they're on the decline, you're going to get the best that you can get now. If you wanted to be, you know, selling at an absolute high, maybe it's after that second Stanley Cup that, of the two back-to-back that they won. I'll rephrase that again. The second of the, the, second of the two, that t- those years in the Stanley Cup era where they won back-to-back, English is supposed to be my strongest yeah. language. You 16, get what 17. I'm trying to say here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, from a business standpoint, I guess you try to sell at your highest, I guess. But uh, as much as I'm not a betting man, I'm also not the greatest entrepreneur. But that's yeah. what I'm thinking. But yeah, it looks as if if the the the, uh, the Penguins are probably seeing this as an opportunity. At least the ownership group, anyway, might see this as an opportunity. Saying, you know what, like before this value goes down any lower, let's just you know sell off the assets. But I'm just also intrigued at the fact that Boston, like a team, like like the Red Sox, the ownership group there. Wants the Penguins, like, also, I, I don't know, like, that just sounds kind of weird to me, but, like, not not wrong, but, like, like how many times, I mean, how far is Boston and Pittsburgh? It's not like we're talking about teams in the same, like, county or same state or anything like that. We're talking about, like, like pretty, not that distant, but, like, there's some distance between Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. Like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Also, if I'm a Bruins fan going up against the Pittsburgh Penguins, like, Anytime a game would go up and like say the sale goes through, like Penguins fans want to talk trash to us. I'm like, yo, my baseball team owns your team. Like we literally own you guys. Like from a trash talking standpoint, like the like Boston wins this. Like, but okay, so a couple of things here. I think if you're the like the Boston Red Sox, like you can't like you can't put an ownership offer in on. Let's say I'm going to use the New York Islanders as an example. Sure. Right. You can't buy a New York team if you own the Boston Red Sox. Correct. Yeah, that's that's like sacrilegious. But but the funny thing is there is a little bit of a rivalry between Boston and Pittsburgh, but that's more on the NFL side. Right. Where you think of the Patriots and the Steelers. But really from a there's no there's no Red Sox Pirates rivalry. Right. Like uh, as far as I, I don't know. Although I think I think. The first ever World Series was between Boston and Pittsburgh when it was like the Boston Pilgrims and the whatever. But I, I, I feel like enough time has passed since 1903 that we could probably let that one go. Uh, but I, I think like to me, it's interesting, like the, the dynamics like it is. It's very random. Like what if like I was thinking about this the other day, like wouldn't it be so random if one day you just found out like, hey, like just like an FYI, the Jacksonville Jaguars are buying the Nashville Predators. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I guess. But like, I Sean Conn's got money, man. Yeah. Like, fine, I. Right. Yeah, like, there's like, it would just be so random. So that's the part where I'm like, yeah, it seems like a random thing. But here's what I want to know because look, okay, that Red Sox ownership group, they've got deep pockets and they got it investments overseas with the Premiership Soccer, and they're obviously getting their portfolio going here. I want to know if you're a hockey fan, and now you see other sports teams are looking at the NHL, baby, and saying, you know, this might be a good investment. Would you want your favorite NHL team 
to be owned by Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys? Would you want <laughs> Jerry Jones to buy your hockey team? Yes or no? Uh, that's a really interesting question. Also, you said premiership. I haven't heard premiership in years. Yeah. It's Premier League. I Listen. I don't. You, I don't you watch old, soccer. You are old school, man. Like yeah. premiership. That's crazy. Uh, would I want Jerry Jones <laughs> to own uh, the team that I? Yeah. I mean, I technically don't. Well, I don't like. I don't. I'm not a fan of an HL team. But like, if I, I mean, I don't. I mean, oh man, I don't even like the Cowboys that much. So I don't even know how I feel about the idea that like Jerry Jones owns my team. Does that mean that like we're Basically, like whenever November hits or December hits, my team's just going to suck. Is that what's going to happen when Jerry Jones owns my team? Is that what's going to happen? Are we just going to have fans who just suddenly pop up out of nowhere and like to flaunt about all the championships they won in a completely different century? Like, is that what's going to happen? So, if Jerry Jerry Jones owns my favorite team, I have a lot to think about. What you're saying is, in a weird way, spiritually, Jerry Jones already owns the Toronto Maple Leafs. Team that falls, team that has a ton of fans. They fall off a cliff every year, and uh, you know they talk about previous championships. You're like, hey, damn, Jerry Jones. But you know why I would? Okay, here's why I wouldn't mind if Jerry Jones bought my favorite team because a, okay, okay, first of all, deep pockets. Like you wouldn't have to worry about any of that. But b, I kind of feel like he'd be so preoccupied with his NFL team, he wouldn't care. He's not going to be okay, meddling with the hockey team. Would he? Like, Jerry no, Jones fair. is the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys and is involved probably in every decision right down to the stationery that they use in the office. He doesn't have the time to get involved with the hockey team. That's fair. That's and, why and I like, would want him in there. And, like, the Dallas Cowboys are, you know, to some are still considered America's team. Do you want to focus more time on a team that is considered to be America's team and has the pull on national television that it has or a random NHL franchise that would kill to have a fraction of the TV ratings that the Dallas Cowboys get. Pretty, pretty obvious answer. here. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. So I also want to talk about what turned out to be a pretty interesting turn of events. And I saw a lot of angry people Like people get very possessive, oddly enough about venue and stadium and arena names and for the longest time, we've just referred to it as Staples Center in Los Angeles, home of the Kings, mm-hmm. uh, home of uh, obviously the Lakers and the Clippers. And, uh, you know, what I think one of the busiest sports venues in North America, Staples Center is probably booked, uh, you know, 364, 365 days a year. It, it is it is jammed, but it's not going to be called Staples Center in a month from now. Welcome to the Crypto.com arena. Now, let me ask you first. How you feel about the name change here? Will you still refer to it as Staples Center? Or are you going to be able to smoothly call it the Crypto.com Arena? I just don't like Crypto.com Arena. I don't have anything against the company. I have nothing against cryptocurrency. I do a podcast with a guy who literally uh, loves to talk about Bitcoin. So like, I'm not, I'm not here to, sh- to shade on Bitcoin. But Crypto.com Arena just doesn't roll off the tongue. Uh, maybe the crypt... But also maybe Crip and L.A. Maybe yeah. you don't want to get into any of that. That's probably not a good idea. Uh, I might still end up just calling it Staples Center by accident. Kind of like what we do in Toronto with um, uh, the Sky Dome as opposed to the Rogers Center. Right? People do that. Yep. The Dome. It, the, or the, the Dome. 
People call it the dome, don't they? I I, I see Sky Dome. I, I don't hear. The I don't dome. know. I'm the guy that also said. Uh, I think they're going to play a Premiership game at the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, or like yeah. with uh, in Toronto, the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. I always get messed up with like Scotiabank Arena and Scotiabank Center because it used to be the Air Canada Center. So for like a while, I would say Scotiabank Center, but it's Scotiabank Arena. And I believe Scotiabank Center is in Halifax. Oh, it's like it's, it's, it, Vancouver's got Rogers Arena and Edmonton's got Rogers Place. Right, like it's. Wait, is that what that is? I thought it was BC that had Rogers Place, and then Vancouver, and then Edmonton had Rogers Arena. So that that trips me up like all no, the I time. Think, I think Vancouver's Rogers Arena and Edmonton's really? Rogers Place. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. really? Okay. okay, you're not allowed to look this up. You're not allowed. Fine. So fine. I, fine. Okay, I I got a couple for you. <laughs> Put your hands okay. where I can see them, so I don't see you googling. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna give you uh, a team in the NHL. And this is okay. not meant because I feel like I would trip up on some of these. And you're going to tell me what the arena is called right now. You ready? Okay. Okay. What's I'm ready. the home? What's the home of the Colorado Avalanche called right now? Ball Arena. Wow. Good for you. I still think of it as the Pepsi. Uh, yeah, the Pepsi Center or something. Pepsi Center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. Okay. You're you're one for one. Okay. I'm looking for the home. Of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, uh, Bell MTS Center? You would have thought. We want to welcome you, Julian, to Canada Life Center. They changed it? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Here we go. This is why crypto.com is not going to seem that out of place. Home of the St. Louis Blues is what? Ooh, okay, that that really, I really do not. Uh, it used to be like the Savage Center like years ago. Oh, uh, you can't call me old and then drop the Savage <laughs> Center reference. I didn't say the I didn't say the Corral Center. Oh my God, the Sav! I have not. You know those things that are just deep in your brain and you forgot about. Savage Center is one of those for me. Yeah, that's my official guess because I have no clue what the arena is called in, in St. Louis. Okay, you ready for it? Enterprise, Enterprise oh, Center. Enterprise Center. Okay. All right. I'm one for and, three. Yeah. You know, are you one for three or two for three? No, one for three. Yeah, because I didn't get the Jets one. Yeah, but I, I again I'm very impressed that you got the uh uh the home of the uh the Avalanche. Okay. Because, Last one, yeah. this is one that is constantly changed over the years. Let's see if you're uh if you're up to date. Home of the Buffalo Sabres. Um Marine Midland. <laughs> it's 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 I it's like the key bank. Yes, guy. <laughs> It's the key, key bank. bank center. Good for you. Yes. You know what? Going two for four is pretty good. 500 record, baby. Yeah. A lot of NHL teams can't be earned 500 right now. I'm 500. Exactly. You didn't, have, you didn't even have a shootout loss in there. You're like the real 500. Oh, two the real two. 500. Yeah. So, look, I, I think it's funny that that it's hard for a lot of us to remember because there's a few like, like the United Center in Chicago or TD Garden in Boston. Like, there's a few that have just kind of stayed iconic and, and had the same name. But, boy, there's been a lot. A lot that has changed. The one that always trips me up is the one in Arizona. Which, by the way, I, it, I mean, if the um, if the the story plays out the way we think it is, right? Their their, their lease is up there, mm-hmm. and but it, but the way it's pronounced, it's like the Gila River Arena, right? But it's spelled G I L A. Yeah, and, like but it's Gila? Gila, right? Gila River Arena. That's one that I that one always trips me up. That and, and I, the Flyers used to change their name like every nine months, right? They're like the Wachovia Center. 
at one in, point. Oh, they were they were uh, they were the my favorite, and and this is when I used to cover playoff series. Oh, there's Spectrum now, right? No, I don't know. Uh, no, now it's Wells Fargo. Yeah, that's what it is. Sorry, my bad. But but you know they used to be the Comcast, uh, you know, yes. arena and all that. Uh, but I remember at one point it was called the First Union Center, and because it was for First Union Bank, but it was great because it was in Philly and they shortened it to the FU Center. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> oh, this no. is the most Philly. The FU. I'm going to the FU Center to watch <laughs> Roman check to watch Roman check manic tonight. Man, that was great. We re- we really get it old school. I'll just mention one thing about Arizona. Sometimes I still think of the days when the arena they played in was the jobbing.com arena. Yeah. Do you remember those days? Oh, was that the first .com arena name? Like, I know, again, we got That's the first now. one I can think of now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think you might be right. Jobbing.com. Yo, I, I don't even know. I mean, I guess it's like, I guess like a job website, kind of like what Indeed is. Okay, so I need you to go to your computer right now. Okay. I need you to punch in jobbing.com and tell me, is that site still active? Okay. Is jobbing.com still a site? Jobbing.com. right? It was two Bs? Yeah. 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 Okay. Is it still active? It is still active. It is still active. The very first thing you see, the launch page, it has, let's go jobbing. And a search bar that asks you to, you know, find your next job. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, I'll just say journalist. Why not? Uh, not that I'm looking to leave because uh, Athletic is a great company. Uh, thanks, got, they, thanks, the Athletic. They got an opening for two podcast hosts on the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. What? Here's the sad thing. I typed in journalist, and maybe it's because it took my location settings as well. It said nothing found. That's that's <laughs> not fun. Yeah. <laughs> State of the industry. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's reflective. All right. Uh, just to wrap this up, this conversation here, uh, the Islanders are about to head to their new home. Brand new home. Now, first of all, do you know the name of the New York UBS, Islanders? UBS Center. I know. Do, are you like me? Do you have to actually stop and not say USB? Or do you know UBS? Like I, In my mind, I'm I've, like, USB, I've never, USB. I've never thought of USB, and now I'm going to think USB. Yeah, and now it's you're going to be like fault. USB port, <laughs> uh, USB Type C center. Yeah, it was Type C. That's the a- Apple has ruined things with that Type C and Type B. Android uh, too. Android too. Like Android devices, they have that too. Like like yeah. the, like like people like to go out on how technology is advancing. We don't talk enough about how usbs have gotten so complicated i want i want back to the old school usb days where you just had one wire and it worked for everything <laughs> back in the day those were the maybe days. i'm the old man yeah seriously uh the islanders are back though they had a 13 game roadie to start the season because they needed the ups arena to be ready uh required a little bit of time so they got a 13 game road trip they come back and i think a lot of people julian looked at the islanders at the start of the year and said This is a team that's been in the final four back-to-back years. They're probably the class of that division. And the Metro's tough, but I think a lot of people felt like the Islanders are the class of the division. But here they are. They're coming home after a a 13-game trip, and they're in last place. But they're 5-6-2. So how do you view the Islanders? Are you like, yeah, you know what? 13-game road trip. You came back. Yeah, you're a touch under 500. You're in last place. 
but you're, it's not the end of the world. Like you probably did about as well as you could, or are you a little bit concerned that the Islanders are sitting where they are? Um, and I think they're like 10, yeah, they're, they're basically like 10, 12 points out of uh, uh, first place here to start to, to start the season. Well, I mean, they're 10, uh, they're that many points out of first. I'd like to know how many points they are out of, uh, out of a third or fourth in that division. That's what I think matters. I think what we're seeing a lot with, with some of these teams that are banged up, you know, just I think of a team like Vegas, for example, if they could just get healthy enough and they just get into the playoffs, that's all that really matters. You just make your luck from there. The New York Islanders, I was definitely one of those people who thought they'd be the class of the division at the beginning of the year. Uh, I, I'll i just be I'll be truthful here. I did not account for the fact that they would start the first uh, set of games on the road. But five, six and two, there are worse records to have uh, after playing that many games on the road. There are teams like the Canadians who have played games at home and away and they have a much worse record. So I, I'm not particularly worried about the New York Islanders. We all know they have a great coach. We all know they have a great comp, a great uh, composition of players. They've gone as far as they've gone in the playoffs. If even if they don't win the division, uh, which I don't even think when, I can't even remember the last time they've won uh, the division that they were in. But this is an Islanders team that I think if they go on a decent run at some part of the year, they'll put themselves back in the in the conversation and make the playoffs. And once they're in the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. At this point, just look at the look at the record that you have right now. Uh, be thankful for the wins that you have, but try to get yourself some wins at home in your new digs. Uh, I think there'll be some urgency in, in those first few games at home just to kind of improve the record, of course. Uh, but five, six, and two after what they went through in the uh, on their road trip, there are much worse records to have. I, I think they're in not the worst possible shape they could be. I know they're lost in their division, but. I think they could go on a run and they could essentially kind of put themselves back in the middle of the pack. Last time the Islanders won their division, a bespeckled Al Arbor was behind the bench for them. 1987-88. 1987-88, the last time the Islanders regular season uh, won their division. Last couple of years, uh, they've kind of been, you know, I think they finished second in 2019. Yeah, it looks like they finished second in 2019. But yeah, they have not been a division winner since 1988. So That's crazy. Go. They that didn't even crazy. use the premiership back then. No. The Sabbath <laughs> Center wasn't even around uh, uh, nah. back then, 1988. That's how old school that was. Okay, last question for you here on this on this topic with the Islanders. And they had the road trip. Now, let's say, Julian, the NHL comes to you in the summertime. They're like, Julian? Okay. Your team, I regret to inform you. Oh boy. At some point this season, your team's gonna have to go on a 13-game road trip. Now, here's the good news for you, Julian. You get to choose when that 13-game road trip happens. You can have it as your first 13 games, you could put it in the middle of the season, or you could put it to the end. Where are you picking? If you had to, you're, you're like, hey, I know because of arena reasons or rentals or something that I gotta leave for, for almost a month. When are you doing that road trip? First Probably, mm, part of the season, middle, or the end? Put it in the middle of the season. I think it's just important for teams to start well and then end even great. And especially if the team is not good on the road, uh, you put that in the middle, you go through your lulls, and then before the end of the year, you just hope your team kind of gets out of that funk and puts itself in a position where they're able to do well. It also depends, again, it depends on the team because there are teams that are just genuine road warriors and, you know, at home, they don't play as well, but they might thrive on being on the road. So I don't know, maybe if you're a team that uh, is really good on the road, 
and you want like the opportunity to reel off some wins, maybe you go like eight, two, and three. My math is right. Yeah. Like you could do that. You could put that at the beginning of the year. You could start off well. You could put that at the end of the year. And that's great momentum to have going into the postseason because I think that's still something important to consider. I think in the middle, it's just generally speaking, just put it in the middle, kind of out of sight, out of mind. As long as you start well, as long as you end well, you, you are putting your, putting some pressure on that. But rather you go through that uh, and then you don't do as well in the middle of the season compared to starting off your year with a bad road record or ending your year with a bad road record. And you kind of have to pick up the pieces uh, if you are a playoff team or you risk putting yourself in a position where you miss the playoffs. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Like, I, like if you're if you're forced to do it, but again, I think the Islanders, all things considered, yeah, they're kind of hanging around. They're they're five, six, and two. But now, now the question is, uh, they got all these home games coming up, starting with the, this weekend's game to, to kick off that new arena against Calgary. Like now, you got to now you now there's some pressure on you though. Like you kind of have to, like you said earlier about you know uh, your record. Like I almost feel like now they kind of do have to go eight, two, and three in their next 13 games, right? Like to hang around the uh, the playoff race. But it's going to be interesting to watch. And um, and and I'm curious to see what that new barn kind of looks like. They've been talking for years in New York. Where's the future of the Islanders? And are they going to move, uh, right? They had the ill-fated little uh, trip to Brooklyn. And uh, yeah. the, the old arena wasn't great. Like I still think, just to put a bow on this, if I were the Islanders, if they could have found a way to play four or five final home games at Nassau. And I know that last year was a great send-off. They played playoff games. But it would have been neat then you could have maybe brought some of the old guys back and had a real true proper farewell to the old barn that they won the Stanley Cups in. I think that would have been cool. And it would have maybe uh, allowed you to not play 13 games at uh, in a row on the road. That would have been the only thing would have been neat if they could have found a way to play a couple of goodbye games at Nassau. Right. That's fair. That's fair. But also, if memory serves, they got to win their last game yeah, at NASA on game exactly. six of that. And like that, I mean, I know how that series ended for them, but I think that's pretty cool that for all those fans who were there, the very last time they saw the Islanders in that arena, they saw them win a playoff game and force a game seven. That was a pretty, if I remember correctly, that was a really crazy game six, too. Like that was that, that was the one that went to overtime. I think it was like a one nothing game. Or no, that was how Game 7 ended. But no, that series was just really incredible to watch. Uh, really, like, gravitate, like, like really gravitate to the games and, and the way both teams were playing. Like, Game 6, to be in that arena, to be in that series. Like, you know what? Even if that is the send-off, there are worse send-offs to have. I think it's a pretty decent send-off to have. Maybe you would have liked the series to end a little bit differently for the Islanders, but it's not like they got blown out in their own building uh, to end off their time there. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Julian, when we do the Thursday show, uh, we always uh, bring in our pal Jesse Granger for a little segment we like to call Granger Things, brought to you by uh, Bet MGM, the exclusive betting partner with us at The Athletic. And earlier in the podcast, uh, you know, Julian, we we're talking about Trevor Zegris, the Anaheim Ducks being a great story. And I know that that is exactly what Jesse Granger wants to hit on. Because I, I got to say, Jesse, when you look at, like, if I would have told you at the start of the year, kind of a month in, this is the Pacific Division, you'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Like, it's been, it might be. I thought this was going to be the lamest division in the NHL, the most vanilla. Ble- I got to tell you, this might be the best division in hockey in terms of storylines, angles, and Anaheim's leading the way. Yeah, this division has been a lot more exciting. Obviously, Edmonton with the hot start makes it a lot more fun when those two guys up there are playing well and that team's winning. Hockey's more fun, but the Ducks and the Kings are, are surprising some people. And it's funny, the last time I came on this podcast and mentioned the Anaheim Ducks, it was during the <laughs> offseason. And it was when I, I, after all the free agency moves in the draft, remember I came on and I told you the three teams that their odds improved the most based on the offseason and the three teams that had their odds worsen yep. the most. And the Anaheim Ducks, the only team that whose odds got worse this offseason, more than the Anaheim Ducks, were the Arizona Coyotes, who basically tanked their season away. And we can see how that's working. So the next worst team was the Anaheim Ducks. They were all the way up at 150 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup to begin this season. That's all the way down to 100 to 1, which is still long shots. Um, Mm. Obviously, all the bettors aren't rushing to the tables to bet on the Ducks to win the Stanley Cup just yet. But to go from 150 to 1 to 101, that is a pretty massive move. And To me, the most impressive thing about this Anaheim Ducks team so far from a betting perspective is um, the the phrase, good teams win, great teams cover. Well, the Anaheim Ducks are covering at an insane rate. Um, They've obviously won 10 of their 17 games, 10 and 7 record against just money line. Not bad, but against the spread, they are 14 and 2 this season. What that means is when the Anaheim Ducks are underdogs, they are losing by a goal They're not losing by two because that puck line obviously is minus a puck and a half. When they are favored, they are winning by two goals or more every single time. You go back and you look. They've only been favored four times this season, which is, yeah. So out of their 17 games, 13, they've been the underdog. Four of them, they have been favored, and they've won by two or more in three of those four. They've only had one game where they were favored this season, and they didn't win the game by two or more goals. So if you're... Seeing that Anaheim Ducks as a favorite, rare favorite, um, not only will they win the game, they'll cover the the puck line spread. And then when they're underdogs, it's it's kind of incredible how... So they have seven total losses this season. 
Six mm-hmm. of them are by one goal or, well, I guess just by one goal. You can't win by less than one goal. And, and a lot of those are in shootout um, or overtime. So once you get to that point, you know your team's, if, if you've got your team with the puck line plus a goal and a half, you already know you've won your bet. So six out of the seven losses, you, you, you uh, are feeling good about the Anaheim Ducks in that bet, even if they lost. So this team has been on an incredible run. Julian, what have you seen from them? Um, just from off of what I know, like the Canadians got to play against them, uh, just off of what I've been seeing over the last little while, like I get the sense this Ducks team with all the young, cool players that they have. Zegers, we've mentioned him a bunch on the show already. Uh, Jamie Drysdale as well. Uh, they have some young players who uh, are trying to make the most of their opportunities and are probably just able They can skate and they could just have fun out there. Like uh, the expectations for this Ducks team were, were particularly low uh, heading into this year. And now they find themselves in a position where, you know what, they're playing some of their best hockey right now. And that's fun. That's awesome to see from this Ducks team. I don't know if the bottom's going to fall out. I don't know if they're going to eventually kind of regress and be a team that's just going to be on the outside looking in when it comes for playoff time. But I have to admit, if I was a Ducks fan, like it's it's cool to see them play well. And also I'll give a stick tap to, to Ryan Getzlaff as well, who, who just made the 1000 point plateau as well. Uh, and and I always, well, I always thought he was funny. Like he was a free agent in the off season. Like maybe it should be time for him to go to a team where he could win another Stanley Cup. He won it really early in his career, and he has the the. I mean, he doesn't have too many like individual accolades, but he has the Olympic success and the international success. He has a pretty good career for himself. But it looks like that decision for him to stay in Anaheim and and get his a thousand point there and be the all time point leader for for that team. Is looking to be is looking to pay off. Like I think he's just chill with with where his career is at right now. So the older guys with him doing well, the younger guys doing well. Like it's it's a good recipe for success for them right now. Don't you think, guys, that um, when you're a guy and Getzloff, if I'm not mistaken, he won his Stanley Cup on his entry level contract. Like Getzloff and Perry were on their entry level deals when Anaheim won that cup in 07. It's amazing how that can alter your your career trajectory because now. Getzlaff doesn't have to go full Jerome Ginla. He doesn't need to go find his cup, right? Like, he's got it. And, he, and like, like Julian said, look, if you win another one, great. But I, I'm amazed here, uh, Jesse. Uh, he's got 17 assists in 17 games. Like, as much as... That's nuts. It's nuts. And, and we haven't even brought up Troy Terry. Like, somebody's winning their hockey pool right now because they took Troy Terry, like, late in a pool. The guy's got 21 points in 16 games. Like, that's the thing, Jesse. Like, they got a great mix it's exactly what you want. You want your young kids, the Mason McTavishes and the Jamie Drysdales and the Zegerses, who are like 20 and under. You want them to slide in and not have too much pressure on them. And here's Getzloff. Adam Henrique's off to a good start. Yep. Like, that's what I think is amazing. Like, Kevin Shattenkirk, too. Kevin Shattenkirk has almost as many points this year as he did in 56 games last year. I know that's one random, like, depth defenseman. But, like, that, that, that just goes to show how good some of these guys on the team have been. Yeah, and I like I was right there with you during the offseason. I remember saying like maybe Getzlaff should go to a team that actually has a chance to win right now. He he'd probably be a cheap contract for one of those teams that can help him fit under the cap and he'd really help him. He, well, he's doing that for a team in Anaheim that's winning plenty of games. And um you mentioned Troy Terry, uh obviously the the point streak is up to 15 games now. Um, <laughs> that's another insane. another betting angle. Uh if you wanted to bet Troy Terry tonight on BetMGM because one of the cool things now offered at BetMGM is you can pretty much go to any hockey game on the slate 
on any given night. And you can pick a player in that game and say, I think that guy's going to get a point tonight. And they have odds for pretty much every player you can bet them. Troy Terry's um, kind of like the Ducks, still not getting a ton of respect as a team um, at the betting windows. Neither is Troy Terry. He's only minus 125 to get a point tonight. Um, so you got to bet 125 bucks to win 100. Um, so almost your money back. It's that's shockingly low considering the guy has a point in 15 straight games. And there's only been one game this season, the opener, that he didn't get a point in. Wow. Like, yeah, that, that, that it is. It's one of the great stories of the young season. Let me ask you guys this. And, and you don't even have to use the, the bet MGM lines on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this question out to the two of you guys. You tell me what you think might be the bet. Okay. So we're a month into sure. the season. If you had to pick one guy from Anaheim, who at the end of the year wins a major award, who's it going to be? Okay. So I'm going to throw out three options. Trevor Zegris for Calder. Okay. John Gibson for Vesna. Dallas Akins for Jack Adams. So you, right now we're a month into the season. You got to put, you know, use a, your educated guess. What's your educated guess? You can pick one thing of those three. You're like, yeah, you know what? I feel like that's going to happen. What's it for you? Uh, Zegris oh. for Calder. Uh, Gibson for Vesna, Akins for Jack Adams. I want to say Gibson just because I think he's so good. And I've been talking about how underrated he is for the last four years while that team has been just getting him killed. And I hope John Gibson gets some, some love for the Vesna, but I feel like, and I'm like looking at his, I'm constantly looking at the, the advanced analytics on that. And he's just not popping the way he like, there, there are so many goalies ahead of him in terms of goal saved above expected. And the Vezina is voted on by the GMs. They also they often like to just give that to the goalie with the most wins. And I feel like John Gibson's got, not going to be anywhere near Andre Vasilevsky or those guys by the time the season ends um, in that. So I would probably go with Eakins for, for coach of the year. That probably seems the most likely to me. What about you, Julian? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what's crazy? Like at, at first, I was about to pick John Gibson because, as you mentioned, he's a guy who even as the Danheim, even as the Anaheim Ducks have not played their best hockey, he has been the best thing about this team for the better part of the last few years, which is also a cool thing about this uh, this Ducks team being as good as they are right now. John Gibson finds himself with a talented team in front of him, and again, who knows how the season's going to end for them? But John Gibson can at least say that like his best hockey has not gone in vain. I know he's been in the playoffs, but like it's cool to see him do that. But I also like the Dallas Aiken story. Uh, he was out in Edmonton, remember, a couple of years ago. And that experiment did not end well. And that he, he was in charge of a team with a bunch of talented forwards. And when it didn't work out there, I wondered, okay, well, what's his career going to be? So now he finds himself in a position in Anaheim where he has some talented young players coming up. And it seems like he's getting the most out of them. And if the Ducks find themselves in a playoff position, yeah, I think Dallas Akins, unless there's someone else here who I'm not thinking of, uh, probably is most deserving of of coach of the year, I think. It, 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 good for him if he's able to put himself in that position. So I guess if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd probably put the bet on Dallas Akins. I'll say this about Trevor Zegers for Calder. The, for Calder, maybe he puts himself in the running, but do you, have you seen what's going on in Detroit with Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider? Like, those boys are really doing well this mm -hmm. year. So I, I think Trevor Zegers might actually be in tough, especially against a guy like Raymond, who I think is leading all rookies in points right now. So... He has a chance, but I don't think his case might be as strong uh, compared to what we might see with John Gibson with the Vezina and maybe even with what's going on with Dallas Akins and this Anaheim Ducks team, especially if they put themselves in position to make the playoffs.
So if if you look at the actual, um, like I, I I know, or Ian, do you, do you have a a pick? No, no, I think, I think you've got the odds now, right? You got the odds out yeah. there on these things. Yeah, let let's hear them. Yeah, so Gibson is way down the list at thirty to one to win Vezina three six nine twelve fifteen. So he's he's down there about the twentieth goalie. There there are fifteen sixteen goalies in the league with better odds than John Gibson to win the Vezina right now. So if you're if you're looking for a guy to put money on, that's the guy. Whereas Zegris, um, he's five to one to win the Calder, only behind Raymond. Um, so, mm-hmm. so obviously not nearly as good of odds on that. And then let's see, where is Eakins? Man, I can't even find him on here for, for Jack Adams. That's not good. Um, he is way, way, way down the list. So yeah, he's, he's probably about there's 15, 16 coaches above him on coach of the year. So it's funny. We thought Zegers was the, the least likely to win, but according to the odds, he's actually the most likely the, to win one of those awards by a, by a pretty wide margin. Yeah. You see why I'm not a betting person? <laughs> And this is and this is why uh, this is where if you're looking to make a smart bet, kind of before uh, you know American Thanksgiving, Anaheim might not be a bad place to put some money on either uh, uh, the head coach or uh, or the goaltender to uh, to win a major award. Yeah, they also aren't a bad place to just put your money, just betting on them on a nightly basis, just for fun. I wanted to do this little math experiment, and I wanted to see what would have happened if back on October 31st, when they started this eight game win streak. Um, because it's been in, an incredible eight-game win streak, considering how many times they've been an underdog during it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would have put twenty bucks, just twenty dollars, on Anaheim to beat Montreal that night, you would have won sixteen bucks. So you take that plus your your twenty that you initially bet, that would give you thirty-six dollars and sixty-seven cents. If you had just rolled that, and every time you won, just taken your money and put it right back on the ducks. Um, eight games later, you would be sitting at five thousand eight hundred and seventy-nine dollars. So, over eight games, you would have turned twenty dollars into five thousand eight hundred seventy-nine dollars. The Anaheim Ducks have been phenomenal this year. What? Yeah. Oh, I really need to get into betting now. Julian's thinking I could have had six grand two minutes ago. Julian was telling me I'm not a betting man. I can see Julian already figuring out how to yeah. set up his BetMGM app by the end of this. Exactly. Let me get my phone right now and find yeah. it. <laughs> oh, awesome. It's hey, pretty Jesse, incredible. Yeah, listen, this was great. I uh, appreciate the visit. I'm sure Anaheim fans appreciate a little love uh, from us on, on the Ducks and, and hopefully for a more national audience, get a little bit of an idea of how good Anaheim has been to start the year. Uh, listen, enjoy the week. Thanks for doing this and uh, we'll hit you up again uh, next week. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Hey, listen, that was a great little uh, visit with Jesse Granger and uh, always great to, to, to chat about a team like Anaheim that I don't think uh, gets a lot of love. So Julian, listen, this, this hour flew by, this was awesome. And I just need to know at what point, like, do you just let this episode drop and, and then you tell Chris Johnson that you did this, or are you going to tell him in advance that you did this? You know, uh, hmm. that's a very good question. Uh, you know what? I might like, uh, at the time we're recording this, we haven't recorded our Thursday show yet. Maybe I'll just start off the episode and just be like, hey, buddy, this is my second podcast of the day. <laughs> and just see what we like, said. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just kind of go with that, man. I don't know. I, I kind of expected that, like, he just sees that I'm just doing like three different po- I have like two other podcasts that I do. Exactly. I don't even know if he listens to any of them. There's no way he'd listen to this and get jealous. No, we gave up a big shout out at the beginning. And, and Chris yeah. Johnson, one of the, the really, 
uh, good guys in the industry, as you know, uh, just a, a phenomenal guy, but a really hard worker. And I love seeing him now on, on insider trade. I still kind of weird though, when I, when I turn on TSN and I see him there, it's like, it still hasn't, uh, you know, it hasn't sunk in yet, sunk in to my brain. I'm like, it still doesn't seem right that CJ's there, but it's, it's uh, funny. It's yeah, hilarious, it's funny, but he's, he's, he's been great. Listen, this was great. I love the fact. Okay. So I like walking away from podcast episodes with like something I learned and you know what I learned? I Who'd learned learn? that I got to stop using the term premiership. Okay. <laughs> I learned that today. I didn't even realize I was using it. You have shown me, uh, shown me the way. And I think you learned that the home okay. of the St. Louis blues is the enterprise center. There, see, it's not there the Savage center. Yeah, like God, I was like, oh God, I got to remember it. Yeah, the Enterprise said it. It was Scott Trade too, wasn't it, for a long time? I think, yeah, that Scott does kind of sound, yeah, it does kind of make sense that it would be Scott Trade, I guess. Yeah, and and we learned that jobbing.com is still a thing, although apparently- Very much a don't, thing. Don't go there if you're looking for a job in our industry. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Especially right? in our neck of the woods, there's yeah. no jobs. We brought up Neil Yakupov. Al Arbor, like this was fun, man. Like the whole hour just flew by. I don't know if DGB uh, mentions uh, or goes that deep uh, with these random blasts from the past. Yeah. But, uh, hopefully yeah. I'm able to channel him. And hopefully I was able to channel him in some way. That's exactly know. what you did. That's exactly what you did. Um, hey, listen, man, uh, this was awesome. And, and you know, as, as you know, the, the chairs often shuffle with people's schedules and stuff. Fingers crossed, man. We can do this again because this, honestly, this was fun. I, I hope from the listener's perspective, you could feel the the connection and the energy that the two of us had. It was it was a ton of fun, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute honor. Uh, again, as someone who watched you on TV all these years. Uh, but yeah, dude, this was really awesome, man. If you ever need me back on, let me know. 100%. We'll give you a call for sure. Hey, listen, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this Thursday edition of the podcast. Uh, like I said, Sean will be back next week uh, for American Thanksgiving. We'll have something special planned for you then. Uh, as a reminder, you can always e- email us your questions, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. You can even leave us a voicemail too, 845-445-8459. I want to remind you too, if you're not a subscriber with us at The Athletic, you can join us to get an annual subscription for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. 